When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bowling. And I got to tell you, Scott, today I am pretty gassed, man. Why is that? Because this is our first time doing this kind of show. Uh, Scott, you and I are here today along with uh, some of our co-workers and uh, along with you as well, audience, to talk about our very first cars, which is, I, I don't know about you, but it was one of the biggest moments of my life. Yeah, a guy, uh, a guy named Miles wrote in, Miles Davis, um, earlier this year, a lot earlier, and he said that uh, it was a Facebook suggestion that we talk about our first cars. And I thought it was a great idea, and, and this is what we're going to run with today. So, um, you know, everybody's got a first car story, right? And we, we figured we would kind of shop it around the uh, the House Stuff Works office here and see if uh, anybody else wanted to contribute to this thing. Mm-hmm. And it turns out everybody did because, it, you know, I think it's something that uh, really sticks out in people's mind as a, uh, a, a turning point. It's, it's, yeah. it's something that everybody can relate to. In the United States, uh, for people who do drive cars, it's a rite of passage. Mm-hmm, you know? That's right. And, and, you know, there's the good, the bad, the unsafe that comes along with this. It's, <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's frustrating at the same time. Uh, but the feeling, the feeling that you get driving your first car that, that you own, you know, your mm-hmm. own vehicle, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's very, um, I don't know how to say this, Ben. I mean, it's very freeing, I guess. Yeah, I felt, uh, you know, the word for this when uh, there, there's a very specific word for this uh, called manumission, which is when a person is set free. Manumission. Well, you would hear about, you know, people who are enslaved being manumitted uh, and to becoming free people. I remember the first time uh, that I was able to drive, I, I had this. Feeling, despite the fact that, you know, I was in an area where you got the graduate, graduated license, so you have mm-hmm. curfews and you can't be in the car with a certain amount of people who are under 21, things like that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I still felt like I could go anywhere. And I looked at maps of the world and, and thought about how many hours it would take me to drive here or there and then 
even bought a U.S. map and started with spheres of how far I could get in a day if I drove halfway out and turned around, and then how far I could get if I just stopped. I think that's a great idea. And I, well, I followed up on a lot of it, man. But of course, being an old codger now, gas was much, much cheaper. Oh, we've talked about this. Yeah. Both you and I uh, began driving when gas was less than a dollar. I mean, I'm going to say, and I'm going to just ballpark this. I'm going to say it was like 85 cents a gallon when I first started driving. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel really old. But that wasn't that long ago. It was in the late 1980s. Right. Yeah. And uh, you, I think it was probably about the same, right? Yeah, there wasn't the same precipitous spike that we've seen lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's gone way, way up fast. And we've talked about how, you know, it's, there's nothing that makes you feel older than talking with someone younger about prices of gas. Right. The idea that you could throw $20 into your tank, fill it up, and then drive to, you know, uh, Alabama or something is just amazing. And then, you know, I hear the same thing from my dad, you know, with the change that to $5, you know, put $5 in the right. tank and drive all night. You know, and kind of and let's go ahead and say, yes, European listeners, uh, we know that in the States we have been very, very spoiled because, uh, you know, in some parts of Europe, people are paying the equivalent of 8 or $9 a I, gallon. I know that for a fact, yes. I've experienced that recently. But it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's it's difficult. It's difficult. But all to say that we have uh, we have thought about your message for wild miles and we wanted to talk about first cars uh not just our own but we got some of our buddies at the office to help us out yeah that's right so let's go ahead and start with a story by holly fry who some of you may recognize as uh one of the voices of stuff you missed in history class Hi, this is Holly from Stuff You Missed in History Class, and my first car was a 1966 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. It was white, and it had a leather top, and I thought I was the coolest thing on the planet driving that car. And I could fit like 16 people in it, and often foolishly did. I remember driving almost an entire soccer team around in it. Uh, I basically was driving the Blues Brothers car, <laughs> and I learned how to parallel park in that vehicle because you had to, at that point, uh, when I got my driver's license, that was a required part of the test in the state of Florida. And uh, I loved that vehicle because it was like driving a small house around. like It was like sitting in couches while you drove, and I just will always fondly think about it. It's also the first car I ever learned to work on because my dad thought you should be able to fix a car before you were allowed to drive a car. Uh, so I was just connected to it very deeply, both through uh, having toyed around in the engine quite a bit, as well as learning to drive in it. And I will always hold it very firmly in my heart as a love. Uh, and all of my friends and I called it Minerva. All right. Well, that's uh, kind of surprising, I guess. I mean, Holly had a, uh, a 66 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Who would have known? So much better than the car I started out with. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a nice car. I mean, yeah. t- I was looking at a photo of it. And uh, not that specific one, but just that body style. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's a really cool car. She says she still misses it, you know, when I talk to her. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting vehicle to start out on. I mean, could you imagine having a Cutlass Supreme nowadays? Yeah. Ah, like, I feel cool just thinking about owning one. It's a a land yacht. Big, big vehicle. I mean, that's my style, man, (laughs) if we're being honest. So... Where do you want to go for this? You want to you want to talk about our own cars maybe for a minute, or you want to yeah. when do you want to when do you want to sprinkle our vehicles in there in the mix? Uh, let's. Well, you know what? Uh, no time like the present. I can tell you a little bit about mine. All right, let's hear it. So, Scott, 
way back in the olden days of 1992. Uh, <laughs> way back in the olden yeah, days. Uh, a car maker named General Motors had a division that they called Oldsmobile. And they decided that they were going to make a compact car, which was a little bit weird for Oldsmobile, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the famous home of Bonnevilles and whatnot. Uh, they made the Achieva. Ah, the Achieva. So that was your first vehicle. Yeah, my well, my parents bought one, and I didn't get it until, you know, I was old enough to uh, drive and convince them that I would not do horrible things with or in it. So this is the uh, the important point to to make here is that this is your first car. This is this is owned by you. This is your vehicle, not the first car you drove ever. This mm-hmm. is this is the first car that's yours. Right? Yeah, and it's a uh, you know of course this happens to a lot of people. It's it's a hand me down car. You know sure. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I've got this. Uh, it's not the first car I drove. That's that's true. But uh, this was a cool little car and. Uh, it's got some nice history. It's, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's not the best car, but, you know, I you get a little sentimental as time passes on. The one thing that I remember the most, if the name Achieva is not ringing a bell for you, uh, it's the Oldsmobile that had this very divisive feature on the hood. You know what I'm talking about? I do. It's the beak. Yeah. So the uh, the grill has the, the – excuse me – the hood itself – isn't just a rectangular or squarish lift. Instead, right in the front, in the center of where the grill would be, there's a piece of the top of the hood that extends down. And that's where, you know, the latch is for the hood and everything. Uh, it's, it's a neat little look. Uh, it also is, uh, considered quite ugly by some people, right? So I guess what I should talk about instead of going into the stats and all that which you can look up i guess i should tell you how i came to no longer have the oldsmobile achieva so it's an interesting story i would take it well it is an embarrassing one let's hear it all right so thanksgiving break high school uh my friends and i are piled in now you realize of course that I was making moves at this point, Scott, because I had my I had a car. Oh, sure, right. So big man on campus. Big man on campus, even short but a big one. And uh, we had, I guess, five people total in our car. And uh, it was the day where everybody in school got out for Thanksgiving. It was bananas in the parking lot. It was. So crazy crowded, and then there was another uh, couple of things nearby, so traffic was slammed on the one exit out of the school, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to make a left-hand turn. Waiting, waiting, no opportunity. Uh, one of the people in the line behind me starts honking his horn, which means everybody starts honking their horn because, you know, these are all angry high school kids. And uh, then my friends in the car, who were my friends, start yelling as well, and I'm I'm trying to turn... And, uh, I make the left hand turn and I'm see that the, the lane I'm turning into is going to be clear. But then, and this is so dumb, I thought I could make it and the people in the car were saying I could make it, but I couldn't make it. And a school bus <laughs> hit the back left of the car. A school bus broke the rear axle. Yeah, broke the rear axle. Oh, Ben. Uh, and at the age and the mileage of the car, it was it was a loss, you know, How, total okay. loss. I have to ask the obvious question. Yeah. How did you not see a school bus coming your way? Was it camouflage? 
It's a question that people have asked me. Was it, number, was it, was it yellow? Is it yellow school bus? Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> now you know. Later in Guatemala, for longtime <laughs> listeners of this show, I made my peace with school buses, but uh, chicken buses. Yeah. Yes, sir. But uh, that is how I lost the car, and uh, oh, it was it was a question my dad asked me for a long time too. So you just didn't see it coming, huh? Oh, Did you not man. look left? You know, ah, there's that's a lot of commotion in a vehicle. I mean, that's uh, that's almost like a uh, like a a poster, a saying for, for, you know, teenage drivers, like, you know, you shouldn't yeah. have all this stuff going on, you know, while you're trying to drive, you got to concentrate. Oh, right? I was the worst. Yeah. And we, um, but luckily of course, no, no, the bus was, uh, not really messed up. It's like a dent on the bus. Oh, I suppose that's good. If you use paper, you're a human, but if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah, and, and no, no one was injured. Yeah, there were no kids on the bus or anything like no that. No one was injured. The, uh, the school resource officer, which is like, you know, the high school's police officer or whatever, he thought it was kind of funny when he finally got down there because it was so, traffic was so bad at the school that when this happened, he had to walk down and uh couldn't even check it out in his own little, uh, you know, in his own car. Yeah. His own golf cart or whatever. Right. right? And so uh he, after after that, of course, my my parents livid and uh three of my friends who live just down the street decided after we had been waiting a, a while, the excitement, down, they left and walked home. Oh, man, Ben. Yeah. You're deserted by your friends. You had a broken car. You <laughs> yeah. got parents that are furious with you. And then we're back in the car for another eight hours and to you, go you back gotta, home for Thanksgiving. You got to deal with that school resource officer. 
Who was a good guy in yeah. retrospect. Oh, yeah, man, I that's, think. That's a bad ending. This is my first uh, car accident. Yeah, yeah, it was a lesson learned, though, Scott. You know what's Scott. funny? A lot, of first, a lot of first cars end up this way. They, a lot of first cars end up totaled. Well, not in such bad and embarrassing accidents. Well, that's true. This is, uh, this is an unusual tale. Listeners, you will be glad to know that I have a solid 100% record of successfully identifying school buses ever since that moment. <laughs> I bet. It's <laughs> something you watch for and are very careful about. Now, I'm hey, sure. part of being a kid is being young and stupid, and you got to learn from it. Oh, uh, that's true. But uh, it is true and uh, that quite a few people have, uh, statistically speaking, ended their relationship with their first car via an accident or a total, uh, which goes back to an earlier podcast that you and I have about the driving age and whether it should be lowered or raised and why it's actually 16 in most states. Sure. Hey, I've got one more follow-up question. All right. Do you miss it? Do you miss that car? Or is it something that you're okay without? I mean, you've moved on. you got a car now that I know you love. Yep. But the, you know... The, that one car does that hold any kind of special place in your heart? I mean, would, would you buy Absolutely. another? Would you buy another one right now if you had the uh, the chance, or would you only buy that one because it has some kind of special memory attached to it? I would only buy that one. Really? Yeah. In the times that I own this car, and uh, Dad, if you're listening, I don't know if you know this part. Oh boy! I was in two car chases with high school bullies. <laughs> it was it was great, man. We uh. We had some escapades in that car. Sure. And, uh, you know, some neat road trips and stuff like that. I would not buy another Achieva. I would only buy that one. I see. I understand. And I think that's a, that's another thing that I need to point out is that, you know, a lot of these first cars have very specific memories attached to them because you're going through a time in your life when, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're developing into an adult, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, this is kind of like the last hurrah, I guess, you know, these, uh, the good old days, right? The, uh, yeah. the high school days when you get into a lot of mischief. And, uh, you know, you're not always going to get caught with the stuff, but it's always good memories, you know, of, of mm. you know, what you've done and some of the things you got away with, maybe. Yeah. It's, uh, kind of like that David Bowie song, Changes. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> not sure the connection there, but we'll, we'll see. I'm just, I'm just sort of, uh, I have that song stuck in my head. <laughs> but, uh, we had some, not all of our guests today, uh, read their stories on the Air Force. We had a few people write to us, right? Yeah, we did. And, you know, some of them were just uh, just simple one-liners, you know, with uh, with a make and model of the vehicle and maybe the year mm-hmm. and, uh, and not a whole lot more than that. So I guess you'd have to look it up to see, you know, the examples of what they what they look like. And that's what we did. Sure. I've got some photos here in front of me of everybody, everybody's first car, at least, um, you know, the, the type of vehicle it is. So we, you and I can see it. Um, maybe not a photo of their exact car, of course, but... Um, uh, just for example, Jason Hoke, uh, who is our chief content officer, he drove a 1983 Buick Regal, mm-hmm. and it was maroon exterior with the maroon interior as well. <laughs> he says, that's how I rolled, and then he wrote in parentheses at the end, mic drop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so I know that, yeah. that it has much less impact when I read it, I know, but uh, <laughs> a maroon 1983 Buick Regal, that's a uh, that's quite a ride. I had some friends that had cars like that, you know, that uh, that same body shape. Yeah. I don't know if I I could say that for you know for sure that they were Buick Regals or anything like that, but uh, you know maybe the Monte Carlo that had the similar body style. Right. You and you can see a lot of uh, Buick Regals and Monte Carlos of that style here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had Allison Loudermilk, a senior editor here at How Stuff Works, uh, whom some of you may remember from the very early days of Stuff to Blow Your Mind as well. 
Uh, she said her first car was a used powder blue Toyota Corolla or Camry. She's not sure. Stick shift with a tape deck and a veluri type covered blue seats. Uh, she's very proud that it was a manual transmission. Uh, and as she noted, she was the only one of the three kids in her family not to crash the car. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, you know, as a side note, she mentioned that uh, she would be happy to come in here and tell us the uh, the, the rats as a co-pilot story. Um, if we would like her to. Now we've we've mentioned that a few times, right? That's true. Maybe maybe yeah. we should. Yeah, you know, the rats in a Prius. That's uh, yeah. this is this is Allison Laudermilk. That's that's the one. her story. That's the one. Yeah, we'll we'll put it in a later podcast. Maybe you know here's someone else who wrote in um, who didn't want to read, but um, Jerry Jerry, who's the executive producer for all these podcasts, uh-huh. um, she whom says, some of you may recognize as the uh, as as the third silent partner of stuff you should know. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, for she says for various reasons. Mostly bad decisions. I had I had four cars by the time I graduated from high school, so I don't know how quickly these came about. But I mean, you gotta you gotta think about this. You know, four cars by the time you graduate high school—that's a lot of vehicles to go through because you're not really driving until probably your senior year, right? Right. All right. So here are the cars that she went through quickly. Um, and the first one was a white 1980 Ford Mustang with racing stripes, but no radio. She bought it with all of her life savings for nine hundred dollars. And then sold it for three hundred dollars, and she says she thinks she she thinks that one ended up in Mexico somewhere. Yeah, I, I love wonder, that story. Yeah, I wonder what's uh, what's going on there. We're gonna have to you know bug her about that. Uh, the next one is a yellow. <laughs> this is this will be important in a minute. Uh, yellow nineteen eighty Toyota Celica that she bought from a quote friend finger quote friend yeah, yeah, air quotes who after all the uh, all the monies were exchanged said that the car's nickname was the Lemon. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, so was that the color or was that the uh, you know the quality of the vehicle, I wonder? Probably the quality. Mm-hmm. Because uh, soon after that, she bought a 1965 Chevrolet Bel Air, and she says that everyone loved that car. The guy that she bought it from loved it so much that he begged to get it back for the same price that he sold it for. So not a bad move there. And that is a cool car, by the way. Yeah, no kidding. All right. And There's the, one more. Yeah, the one more. You want to read the last one? No, you do it. All right, so this was a uh, 1977... Ford Granada, and it was gold with white, a white vinyl top. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> she says she could steer it with one finger, and it was also the car that I had my first accident in, uh, which rendered the hood forever ajar. And she said it would lock, but it was ajar always, so hardly a day went by that some good Samaritan didn't flag her down and tell her that her hood was open. Yeah, see, that's the kind of thing. Like, there's always these little things about that first car. Sure. There's always something about it. Like, that you um, remember. You know, as I get to, to mine here, um, I had a, a passenger side door that would always fly open when I took left-hand turns. <laughs> Is that weird? I mean, I think other cars were like that. They're big, heavy mm-hmm. doors. Um, just little quirks about cars that yeah. uh, you, you remember them for decades. Especially if there's something that, due to modern car design, doesn't come around much anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... We also have a uh, a little story about a first car from uh, a close uh, coworker of ours, uh, Christian Sager, who is who you may recognize from Brain Stuff as well as Stuff of Genius. He does a lot of stuff, and he uh, he does busy guy. Yeah, and he and he writes quite a bit. But uh, we were lucky enough to get him in the podcast booth just long enough for this story. Hi, I'm Christian Sager. I'm a writer and host here at How Stuff Works for Stuff of Genius, Brain Stuff, and for a bunch of other How Stuff Works video content that we produce. My first car was a 1989 Subaru GL station wagon. It was silver, 
and I got it on my 18th birthday. That day, when I got it, I went for a drive with my girlfriend, and the timing belt snapped about 30 minutes into our drive, stranding us in the middle of nowhere. There was no making out that day in the back of the car. We had to hike miles to the nearest house to call a tow truck. Uh, the car also didn't have a working stereo, so I had to duct tape together two speakers to the dashboard and run a Walkman into them. The speakers were so weak that you couldn't actually hear them if the car was going over 60 miles per hour. So whenever I was on the highway, I couldn't hear any music. Uh, I lived in rural New Hampshire at the time, and I used to keep several cinder blocks in the back of my trunk to weigh down the car so that the back wheels would be better for driving in the snow. Uh, but one time, it didn't help at all, uh, and when I was in college, I did a complete 360-degree spin-out off of a road during a snowstorm in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I was stranded there, waited a couple hours, and had to be towed out. Uh, the good thing about that car, though, the Subaru GL wagon, if you're in the market for one, is that it has a huge front bumper on it. One time, I actually rear-ended a car by accident going 40 miles an hour and the bumper was so large that it absorbed all of the shock, and there was no damage to either car. I was very lucky. So that was one of the things that I loved about that car. Apparently, I could drive into anything without uh, severely damaging myself or them. When I finally moved to the big city after college, I let my uncle take the Subaru to a scrapyard, and he told me that he brought it in there, and it was worth zero dollars. So... That was about 10 years after it was made. I really drove that car into the ground and probably got the best out of it. Man, stuck in the woods. Yeah, that's an un- unusual one, huh? Yeah. I mean, I think the school bus is still the most embarrassing. <laughs> so far, you've got the, uh, got the top, top story. <laughs> I've got the lemon there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. All right. So, um, I don't know. Where should we go after this? You want to, how about you want to do another one? Another recorded, uh, yeah, let's before, do another one. Before we jump into mine, because I've got uh, I've got some notes about mine. You're going to probably have to cut me off because uh, I've got a lot of memories of my first <laughs> right. car. But uh, who's up next? Uh, let's let's uh, let's hear from Chuck. You know, you want to hear from Chuck? Yeah, right, Chuck so, from Stuff You Should Know. Yeah, Stuff You Should Know. Co-host. Hey, this is Chuck from the Stuff You Should Know podcast, and uh, my first car was a 1968 Volkswagen Beetle in rust red. Uh, my father bought it new in 1968 for my mom, and then 11 years later started passing the car down to each of the uh, children when they turned 16 year old, uh, 16 years old to drive, uh, ending with me in 1987 because I was the youngest. So my sister had it, my brother had it, then I had it. Uh, I named her Josephine and covered her in stickers like a big dummy, uh, like a big high school dummy, like Bob Marley stickers and stupid stuff like that. But uh, I think I took them off within the year because I realized it was kind of dumb. And uh, what else? Oh, it was all stock except for the awesome stereo that my brother had installed when he drove it. Uh, top-of-the-line tape deck and uh, booster and speakers. And I guess the final thing was uh, my friends called it the Flintstones car because um, the back right floorboard had rusted through, so uh, exposing the ground beneath the car. <laughs> so that was a big hole in the back floorboard. And they used to joke it was a Flintstones car, like they p- could put their feet down and uh, and get it going by running. And uh, I did keep uh, bored over that, though, because of safety. But uh, anyway, I sold it for about 800 bucks when I graduated. And I think I've probably regretted that decision ever since. I wish I still had it today. Uh, but I do not. Uh, but maybe one day I'll go back and get another Beetle. So uh, that was my first car. 
Oh yeah, Chuck with a bug, huh? I kind of, you know what? I can picture that. <laughs> I can, I can, I can picture him driving around in that right now. Yeah, it's cool. You know, uh, fun. Oddly enough, uh, Josh is a co-host. Actually, does have a bug. He does. Yeah. Have you guys talked about that? Uh, no, I haven't. It's one of the new ones. No, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, last I heard, he was driving an Acura something, uh-huh. and before that, he had an old uh, Volvo, Volvo station wagon. Yeah. yeah. So that's a. I, I had no idea that he had a bug. Yeah, he does. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember how I found out, but you'll you'll have to talk to him about it sometime. Interesting, interesting. All right, so uh, let's uh, let me let me tell you. I would like to uh, maybe read another one here from uh, from another coworker. Okay, great. Let's do that, and then uh, I'll save mine for the end, maybe. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, Tracy Wilson, who is um, she's editorial director and co-host of Stuff You Missed in History Class, uh, she wrote in uh, about her first vehicle, uh, first one that she was given. You know. You know, family car, kind of handed right, down, I guess. Yeah. And then the first one that she bought on her own. So I think we'll read both of these because they're both kind of interesting. All right, so she says her first car was a 1977 Chevy Malibu with tan paint and sort of a camel-colored interior. I'm sorry to be laughing. It's just uh, all these cars that, you know, it's funny when you hear about someone's first car. Yeah. I don't know. It's like the maroon car with the maroon interior, the light blue car with the blue velour interior. Yeah. Oh, now, the Achieva was gray on gray, by the way. <laughs> gray on gray. Okay, uh-huh. got it. All right, so this one is uh, tan paint with sort of a camel-colored interior, and they called it the boat. I mean, it's a big car. It's a it's a long vehicle, if you look at a photo of one. She says she learned to drive it in the early 1990s, and it managed to survive my massively overheating it, not knowing at the time that uh, that the driving a car with a temperature warning light on was seriously a bad thing to do. Ouch. <laughs> it, did, it did not survive my little brother totaling it after I left for college, however. So uh, not a good ending for that one as well, but... Um, Man, driving it with that temperature light on, that is bad news. Yeah, bad mojo. But again, something that you don't really know in your first vehicle unless you tell somebody. All right, and uh, she, I mean, it is a light that warns you about the temperature, though. I know, I know. It's just, it's tough. just, it doesn't say how bad that is. It just says that it's hot. Yeah, pay attention to me. Right, that's, that's what it's it. saying. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah, if you don't know these things, you just don't know until. That's true. But you know what? She learned her lesson, and uh, and I bet that you know, any time a temperature light comes on in any car after that, she's probably. The first one to take it to the shop. Oh yeah, yeah. talk about uh, talk about taking care of a car. Uh, read the part about her next car. Yeah, she bought. Okay, this is the first and only car that she ever bought for herself. So she's only owned one other car besides that one. Um, she bought a blue Saturn SL1, which she got because she needed a car, didn't want to haggle. And do you remember Saturn's whole deal was like this yeah. is the price and that's it, right? Yeah, it was a different kind of experience. And she said that the people at the Saturn dealership actually did clap for her. Just like they did in the commercial when, you know, you, you arrive to pick up your new vehicle. It's a, it's a strange thing that Saturn did for anybody who bought a brand new car. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it, the people at the dealership just like clapping. I guess. It's a, it's a strange uh, strange time in, in car history. They're safe cars. They were, they were pretty durable, too. I know they get, they get a tough time, and rightly so, with some issues about power. Yeah. For sure. Um, but if you are more concerned about durability, they were doing pretty well. I mean, she got... As she said, uh, she got 126,000 miles over a decade. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad at all. So um, she says she planned to drive it until it quit, uh, but this year she donated it to a charity, and now she's completely car-free. Huh. Not bad, huh? Yeah. No. And she does mention that she cried when they came and drove it away, which is that's pretty sad to think of, right? Someone looking, you know, watching their, their first car that they purchased uh, being hauled away. But I think, you know, it was a good decision for her. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Make it? use of public transportation. Right, yeah, and uh, you know, as weird as it is, some people don't like driving. I, I don't get it, but yeah, 
You know, sometimes uh, public transit, depending on where you are, can be convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, in it really does, though, depend on where you are. So as as some of you know, if you have listened to our show and other shows, we're located directly next to uh, the uh, one of the public train stations here, which uh, is part of a service called MARTA. Yeah. And so, you know, if I have time or honestly, if I look down at the interstate and traffic is just another parking lot, you know, disguised as a roadway – then sometimes I'll take Marta. Sure, it's a, kind of a case by case basis, I guess, right? A day by day thing for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Where do you want to go next? You want to uh, maybe hear from Robert? Oh yes, yeah. Robert Lamb uh, has a great story about his car, the Green Machine. Hey, this is Robert Lamb, senior writer and Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcaster here at How Stuff Works. And my first car was a green 1978 Chevy Malibu. Fittingly called the Green Machine, it was as old as me, and by the late 90s, it certainly had aged its two decades here on Earth. It had no air conditioning, and the heater barely worked. The speedometer was busted, and the fabric on the ceiling kind of hung down in these great big tumor-like bulges till I finally had to use push pins to uh, you know, keep it all in check. And there were these desiccated insect parts littered all over the, the corners of the cab, and at some point... The sunlight had actually managed to melt one of the rear corner window knobs, so there was this like weird black drippy puddle underneath it. Uh, and I, so I must have parked it on the surface of Mercury or something and not realized it. Still, the vehicle was dependable, and it could really take off up the hills, and uh, I'd drive it back and forth to high school, to the local card and comic shop uh, to play games like Magic, uh, as, as well as the one night I tried to to use the car to burn a pumpkin in a friend's front yard, and the vehicle got stuck in a ditch, and it was kind of a big to get to do. But through it all, this was uh, a very dependable vehicle, and I have fond memories of driving it around. Uh, later on, my family donated uh, the car to the National Kidney Foundation, but I still like to think that the green machine is still out there, Christine-style, haunting the roads. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wow, a green Chevy Malibu. Now, I looked this up because, um, you know, he said that he had a 1978 Chevy Malibu, and as we mentioned before, Tracy had a uh, 1977 Chevy Malibu. Mm -hmm. Completely different body style. And um, I had a friend who had, a, I think, a 78 or 79 Chevy Malibu as his one of his first cars. I don't know if it's his first, uh, but that car was so powerful. It was so much fun to drive in that car. He had a different engine in it, I think. You know, it's like uh, they had swapped from some other giant car the family had or something. But it was a fast, fun car to drive. Now, uh, here's another story from our friend Catherine Whitbourne, who works here as an editor. My name is Catherine Whitbourne, and I'm an editor at Host of Works. And I'm going to tell you about my first car, which was pretty sucky. It was a 1989 uh, Le Mans. It was really cute looking, but the actual car itself was just a piece of junk. I mean, everything needed to be replaced way before time. So me and the mechanic, of course, became really good friends because I was helping to pay his kids' tuition in college, I'm sure, with all the repairs that were going on. So when I brought it in for the AC to be fixed for the second or third time, they all go in the back room, you know, and then they're having some kind of conversation. And then they come out looking really serious, like they're about to give me news that I have cancer or something. And they're like, uh, we've been thinking about this, and we don't think you should repair that car at all. What you should do is just go ahead and trade it in. So here's what we'll do. On the morning that you need to trade it in, just come on in, and uh, we'll put some Freon on top of it up so you don't have to worry about it. And then you can just go ahead and trade it in. So it was really funny, but that's exactly what I did because that car just couldn't last any longer. I can't get past this. The staff held a meeting about this car. Now, this car is coming in, <laughs> and they're getting money every time she brings it in, right? Yeah, but now she's been doing it so often that they became friends. Yeah, and so they felt bad about uh, doing these not unnecessary, they're necessary repairs. Scott, but these, they had an intervention. It was repair after repair after repair, and they finally had to say, Catherine. Catherine, enough is enough. Yeah. It's time to move on. Someone else outside is going to make this decision for you. You need to sell that thing right now. And you know what? I, I had a friend, uh, I had a friend who, who drove a, uh, a Lama, Lama that looked almost exactly like that one. Um, that kind of little squatty hatchback with a flat back end. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I got to tell you, that was a terrible car. Was it? It was, was really a lemon was. all the way. It really was. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was not good all around. But, Let's talk about something good because it's the moment we've been waiting for, Scott. Oh, and we've got pictures I don't, here. I don't know if it's the moment we've been waiting for. Maybe uh, it's just kind of the uh, the finale of this episode. We'll maybe put it that way. But um, 
I think I've mentioned my first car on this podcast before. Right? Yeah, we've touched on it a couple I, times. I think we have. It was a it was a cool car. Looking back, I mean, oh it was a, man, are you kidding? It was a 1978 Pontiac Trans Am, and I yeah. purchased it uh, in 1989, my senior year in high school, for about 1,100 bucks. Yeah, um, paid for it myself, my own insurance, and all that stuff, you know, as well. Yeah. Um, the car had been handed down through another family that had you know three brothers in this family, so I was the fourth owner, and it had been just. Beaten to hell, Ben. It was just a, <laughs> a, a rough, rough car, right? Oh yeah, and um, beautiful. it needed. It almost immediately needed a big brake job. I mean, it had it needed lots of hardware. So the bill for that came to something like eight hundred bucks. Whoa! So almost immediately after I'm paying out this eleven hundred bucks, it's it's another eight hundred dollars. And uh, you know, if you want an idea of what it looked like, it was like kind of like the Smokey and the Bandit car, you know. But Ooh. I think that was in '77, but the exact same look, um, second generation. Uh, Trans Am got the hood art too. Yeah, this was a it was gold when I bought it. It was a gold edition car, and I don't think it was any kind of special edition or anything like that. Uh, but I did paint it black later that summer. I did it myself, and I did a really poor job of it. I mean, you can <laughs> you can see in the photos. I'm I'm showing you the photos. But, yeah. Um, from about 20 feet away, it looked acceptable, passable. Um, okay. I cut corners. I mean, it was the first one I'd ever done that on, and we cut corners, admittedly, because we just wanted to get it done. I mean, right. it was quite a setup, you know, the whole thing that we had done to get this thing together, you know, the set, like the little paint booth that we we put up in a friend's garage and uh, the rented equipment and all that. It was, uh, it was quite a production, but then we just didn't follow through with enough coats. And this is a very different, younger Scott Benjamin. Oh, much You different. would never let that fly today. No, no, now I would take my time and do it the right way. But then I just wanted to have it black and I wanted it done that evening and it was done, right? And it, and it was passable, I guess. I you painted, did it in one, one day? I painted it right over the rust and everything. Oh, it was, man. Uh, it was, I, I did some sanding, but, you know, there's very little rust, you know, mitigation. That's did you do, there. did you do the art on the hood? Uh, no, I, well, I'll tell you what. That's, you know, it's got the screaming, okay. the screaming chicken thing yeah. on the hood, right? Yeah. I taped that with, uh, with masking tape. And it's not the, uh, the simplified version of that, uh, that screaming chicken thing. No. I call it the firebird, the firebird on the hood. Right. Uh, it's the kind that has like a thousand little wingtips. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a difficult, difficult process. I can tell and there's a gradient there and everything. So yeah, it was tough. It was really, it was, it was a difficult thing to do. And, um, it probably, you know what I'm going to say? That was maybe one of the hardest things I've ever done as far as like, you know, just tedious, mind numbing, you know, just, just focus on, on cutting that thing out with a, with a razor blade, you know, after you put, lay yeah. down masking tape, it wasn't even like painter's tape or anything. Wow. I made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> a lot of mistakes. So the, the thing overall, I mean, I'll just tell, tell you that it had, you know, that, uh, that fish scale dash surface, you know, that, uh, all these cars had, I mm-hmm. uh, had T tops, which are really leaky, almost unusable back seat. It was really, really small and had that giant, hump in the middle oh, of the, yeah, yeah. the uh the, the uh the drive shaft um it's really really cramped it had an aftermarket stereo which is really cool um with a cassette deck and um i think an equalizer and a power booster and all this kind of crazy stuff that these you know three brothers had had put in over the uh sure. over the time you can tell on a used car you can tell the owner's priorities yeah. pretty quickly yeah, oh yeah you can <laughs> you can't tell and they didn't care about rust apparently um it had that door that always swung open you know yeah. but here's the good part ben what's that it had a a Pontiac 400 cubic inch big block 6.6 liter V8 engine, which was so fun because, um, you know, up here I'm in high school, right? Yeah. And there were a couple of guys at the school that had Corvettes, you know, really nice older Corvettes. One even had like a classic 60s type vet. And uh, I was kind of always envious of those guys having those really cool, great sounding cars that they could slide around turns and stuff. Now, this one was a low dollar entry version of that, I guess. You know, it's not a Corvette by any means, but it was so much fun. I could... I could power slide that car anywhere I wanted to. There was so much power 
so much torque. It was just a blast. You could you could smoke the tires as long as you held the pedal down. It was it was just a, a blast to drive that thing. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of trouble, you know, like the breakdowns and things. You know, the transmission went out. There's a whole story with that. Uh, the engine finally developed rod knock, and I, I had uh, that replaced. That was the beginning of the end. And, yeah. um, man, I'm, there's no way I'm going to read all this. There's a lot of notes that I have on it. I, so many old memories, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know where to go, maybe. Maybe the, the end of the car, I suppose. Sure. Unfortunately, it also ended in the crash. Ah, oh, man. Uh, and I, but the thing is, I learned a lesson from it, as did a lot of people, I bet, with their first car. Was it a school bus? It was not a school bus. It was a, <laughs> uh, but, but it's a situation that I think, uh, I dealt with this even yesterday. I mean, it happens all the time, and now I'm very, very careful about it. I was turning left out of a parking lot. Uh huh. And to make things worse, I had just sold the car in that parking lot to another guy, and I was driving it back to my house, right? So the car sold. I took down the for sale sign. I went and picked it up at, you know, the Kroger parking lot. Right. I'm turning left out and there's a car that kind of is coming from my left and he's going to turn right into the parking lot that I'm in. Right. Yeah. And I think everybody can picture this. There's another car that's kind of like shadowing that car in the next lane over. Oh, yeah. And it's I two lane. And I never saw that car. So I see the car with its right turn signal on and they're yeah. slowing down. Yeah, fine. And I went out to pull left, and I just clipped the edge of that car with the front end of my car, and it just shattered the front end. I mean, the front end was destroyed, uh, undrivable. I had to have it towed back to my house, and then I had to call that guy and tell him that I couldn't sell him the vehicle as is. And he did come over, and he kind of cherry-picked some parts off of it. You know, like he took the sheet sure. tops. I think he took the stereo. I sold him that stuff. And then I think I just had it hauled away for, you know, scrap metal for like oh. 50 bucks or something like that. It was just a, it was a heartbreaking end to it. But once I got out of it, I realized what a money pit it was and all the, uh, all the trouble that it was. But when I look back on it, you know, I think that it was a, uh, it was a solid first car. I mean, it was a good experience and I wasn't afraid to do anything to it. I mean, I put a transmission in it. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the brake work myself because I'd never done that before, but every other mechanical situation, I, I just kind of tackled it because I didn't have the money to have anybody else do it. And it was a great learning tool, and um, it taught me a lot. I learned a lot from that vehicle. So overall, it was a good thing. And uh, overall, we hope that you guys have good memories of your first cars, and we would like to hear about them. Uh, f- funny story, my uh, my maternal grandfather, when my mom and dad started dating, uh, my dad was driving, I can't remember what it is. I'll find out and come back and talk about it in the next episode. But he was driving this just POS, you know, which we mean pretty outdated stuff when we say it here. And he had spray painted the wheels gold. Mm. And so, uh, my, uh, grandfather, uh, was, uh, was took to calling him, Oh, look at, uh, hump hammer and a golden chariot coming back again. <laughs> you know? I'll let you in a little secret, ben. but this Trans Am had spray painted gold wheels also, but that was from the factory. I, I just bet. I just maintained them with spray paint. <laughs> All right. I maintained them with gold spray paint. So let us know about your first cars, uh, and we'd love to read some of those stories on the air because I'm sure that everybody has one. And, you know, after my confession about the school bus, clearly no story is too embarrassing. Oh, it can't ben. be as bad as mine. Oh, Ben, a school bus. I still can't believe it. It came out of nowhere. A bright yellow school bus that was hiding somewhere. <laughs> it was something. It was like it must have been some military-grade stealth paint or something that just appeared to be whatever. Sure. Yeah, no, you learn, you live and you learn. And uh, we want to hear those stories. In the meantime, if you'd like to check out some of the podcasts that we mentioned earlier, you can go to our website, carstuffshow.com. 
can find us on Facebook where we post uh, stories that sometimes don't ever make it on the air. So that's how to get an inside look at us, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I wanted to just say thank you to everybody who came in and uh, and told us their first car story. Yeah, thank you very much to our coworkers uh, for taking the time to make an appearance on our show. I love that instead of just one guest for our first show, we had so many. Yeah, that was really nice. That was yeah. uh, good participation. Yeah, yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. All right, and of course, a big, big thank you to our super producer, Noel Brown, as always, for uh, putting together our very first clip show. If you would like to tell us about your first car or you have a suggestion for an upcoming episode, please write to us directly. We are Car Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.